Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? This week on this episode of the podcast, we're asking you where God fits into your week, kind of with the hope that you get thinking about how God fits into your life overall. So... How do you want to go about talking about this? I mean, I think there's kind of the higher up view of like where God fits in our life. And then there's maybe like rhythms of how God fits in our life. So there's probably a couple or a few different ways we could approach it. Right. I think we talk about those two different things in, you know, a few different ways, like with how God fits into your overall life. Like people will be very quick to you know, if you go to a church service or something like that, how God literally is a puzzle piece for their existence. Like God is my redeemer. He's my savior. He's the only reason I live. Um, But then there's the more granular level of understanding that our walk with Jesus is a walk. It's a step at a time. It's an ongoing process and it's something that takes effort. So for me, I'm kind of, focusing more on the the second and where God is fitting into our in the craziness of our daily lives Um, and this was kind of uh, that what kind of inspired me to bring this up as a topic for the podcast was uh, a prayer request that I received for someone who is struggling to put God first in their lives um, on a daily basis not in the overarching sense but You know, he felt like he would wake up, he would do a bunch of stuff, he would do what he wanted to, and then, you know, in the afternoon, he would give a little time to God, and then after that, he'd walk away, but then he'd come back, and so the the idea is, you know, if we're not careful, I think we can be putting God in a box um, that we only want his presence when we open the box, and, you know, I think that could be a dangerous and imprudent way to go about our relationship with God, even if we aren't doing that intentionally, you know, it's just something to be aware of to see if we're doing, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And my guess is this topic can probably appear in each of our lives and maybe a little bit different facet, maybe not the same for every person. I mean, the broad sense way I think of, of looking at it is does God is is God a part of the rhythm of your life like on one day a week, like say when you go to a church building or for worship service, but then the dynamic in which you interact with God or your recognition of him being present in your life is different once you're outside of that particular space. And that's not to like downplay the importance of that time. Like obviously that's important. And so it's not a like, which one's better than the other. It's how do they sort of mutually work together, which is a lot of the whole point of our podcast here, right? Is how they, how one rolls into the other, how one benefits the other or how they work mutually, like how following Jesus isn't just about Sunday morning. And so to me, like that's one way it can happen. I know for some people it's, it can happen within like your social circle. So, you know, you can be tempted to function one way, like, maybe more you can talk the talk well of following Jesus when you're with a group of people who are following Jesus or claiming to follow Jesus. But then once you get into a social circle where maybe you're the minority and there's not a whole bunch of followers of Jesus, do you appear or sound different? And so is God less present 
with you in that moment than and then than he is with other Christians around you. And and I get like how that can be harder to do when you're the minority. It's like I I get that there's a tension there for sure. Like not to say that that's not a reality, but that's to help paint the picture of do we allow our interactions to look differently from circumstance to circumstance or a group of people, a group of people to where we maybe come across as one kind of person in one group, but not to another or, or in, in a different way, like do we carry God from one situation to the other? Like, is he present with us in all those different situations or are we kind of self-reliant over here? But you know, when we end up in the church building or something like that, it's like, Oh yeah, God's the focus. Like we're, and so it shifts in that sense. At least that's kind of maybe the, the more macro view of how I see this topic. And I think that's how historically it's kind of been talked about. Um, I know students often have this tension of, you know, being part of a family that, that goes to church. There's an expectation of what they're called to be as part of the church or part of a family that's in the in a church when they're at the church building or a church function or activity. But then like when they're at school, they're figuring out how to make sense of life when they're not in that environment, like, like a church environment. So it's kind of the same thing. They're in a different environment and are they going to try to live the same way in both, in both environments? I don't know. Do you want to add anything kind of to that idea? Yeah. To borrow from what you're saying a little bit, some of what we do in defining our walks with God and kind of in alluding to our pre-recording discussion about the post-Christian reality that we kind of live in. Sometimes we define our walk with God in terms of, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday. Like, that's what I do. And it's like, like you're saying, that could be an important rhythm of um, what worship is. But, you know, what Paul gets at at the beginning of Romans 12 is to, you know, he urges us to offer our bodies holy and pleasing as living sacrifices because that is our true and proper worship. Worship goes beyond just one moment of dedication it goes into our entire life it goes into every aspect of our life every aspect of our being which kind of echoes the shema right um all soul heart mind and strength and that really is what encapsulates worship it, it's all of those things so i think for me um yeah i that that's an easy pitfall i think i see people get into is just the whole well how often do you attend church? It's like, well, maybe a better question is how often or how many moments do you spend living as the church? You know, how often do you actually live as a sacrifice, like to the detriment of yourself potentially for the benefit of others or for the benefit of glorifying God? Um, so I guess for me that's that's kind of uh, another focus I have when I think about things like this is just how we're defining what discipleship is, what it looks like, what worship is, and what it looks like. And it kind of gets into the whole impetus for this podcast, which is, you know, th it doesn't just happen one hour on a Sunday. It happens all 168 hours of the week. So that's just some additional thoughts based on that part of it. Yeah, one thing your your follow comments make me think of is the last two years, uh, some of the commentary that's come out of various groups that help counsel or coach or uh, analyze trends within the church and culture and how culture shifting. And there's a few different groups that have tried to kind of monitor the church, if you will, over the last two years, knowing that COVID shifted it a lot, I mean, abruptly, but that also comes on 
within the wave of, like you said, of culture becoming more post-Christian or not centered on Christian values as a whole. And how do you evaluate and analyze the health of the church or what the church, you know, where a church is. And part of what keeps coming back to is an older or, you know, more recent metric, if you will, has typically been like how many people are present at a certain function, whether that's Sunday morning or something else. Typically it's Sunday morning. Like how many, and like that's the number we typically would ascribe to who is a part of the church. And it makes sense. Like that's part of it. Like that that's clearly a very central part of what the church does and, and who it is. It's, it's a group of people who gather together to worship. Like I get that. But one other thing that's come out of analyzing the health of a church when, especially when you couldn't have people gathering together, it's like, well, how, how do we, what do we measure then if you can't measure people coming together in that way? And the language that has become very dominant is the language of engagement, which I think is similar to what you're saying of how are you engaging with the life of the church beyond just this like one time during the week. And so church leaders or whatnot can, what's advised is like you can help measure the health of the church by looking at a different perspective of not just how many people are there, but like how are they engaging with the work of the church, the life of the church, the worship of the church. And that expands beyond Sunday morning. It includes Sunday morning, but there's more to it than that. Like our lives entail a lot more than just one hour or however long a worship service is on a Sunday. And so to me, engagement is a very helpful terminology. It's, it's helpful terminology to reflect on this. And I think we, we kind of get that language as well. Um, but it also helps us to more individualize, I think, where we interact with God beyond Sunday morning as well. Like how am I engaging God's presence when I wake up, when I'm dealing with my kids that are doing whatever they're doing in the morning, driving me nuts, like that, that kind of stuff. Like those are very realistic things that I'm confronted with of like, where's God in the midst of those things and, and how am I engaging or interacting with God in those moments? Um, so maybe that's some hope. That's a helpful framework for some people to think about, um, it's not just about, like you said, about attending, but then like, how are you engaging with God kind of holistically beyond just Sunday morning, including Sunday morning, but not just Sunday morning. So, yeah, there's this kind of part of it when it comes to, you know, the more time management or the, you know, how our engagement comes across with time, not just on Sunday morning, but, you know, all the moments of our lives. But then there's like the more topical stuff, right? Where, we have a tendency to put God in a box. Schrodinger's God. Um, we can put God in a box. We can compartmentalize God, like in the sense where, you know, I know God doesn't want me to be angry for no reason, to have unrighteous anger. So I give him all of that. I really pray about it. I try really hard, except when I drive. You know, road rage is fine for me because everyone's an idiot when they're behind the wheel of a car except me. Like that's an example, right? Or it's like, you kind of keep God out of the equation when it comes to, you know, it could be something like sexuality. Um, it could be any idol, you know. I mean, it depends on what it is, but kind of like what I was saying earlier, what Paul gets at when he urges us to offer our bodies as our true and proper worship is that it's our whole life, it's our whole dedication, um, and, you know, that's what we're called into. So I, I think it helps to pray for illumination for those areas where, 
you know, you might not be giving everything to the Lord uh, and you might be taking the steering wheel into your own hands. But I mean, that's another area. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, I've definitely experienced that before, but uh, thankfully there's also the realization knowing that God is gracious in those moments and, you know, it's through that grace and mercy that we are changed and we are renewed into better people. Um, and we have the counselor, counselor of the spirit living in us. So, um, as long as we're open to it, um, you know, we, we can feel conviction in those moments, but yeah, there are definitely, there can be areas of our life where we, we don't want God to be part of that particular area, whether it's conscious or subconscious or whatever. So do you have any thoughts on that in general or? One thing I was thinking of while you were talking is we, I think we intend to beat ourselves up when we feel like God isn't the focal point of every day of our life or like we maybe fail in doing that. And on one hand, that's the ideal. Like God should be the priority and the one we look to for all things. But reality at this point in time also is that we live in a sinful fallen world where we have not been fully perfected yet. Christ has redeemed us and he's sanctifying us to eventually be perfect as he wants to make us when Christ returns. But we haven't seen the culmination of that yet in our life. So in the meantime, we live sort of in this rubber band kind of world where it's like God can be very, you know, involved in our life. And then we kind of bounce back to where he's not. And like, we're kind of all like, we kind of vacillate between that. But even some stuff I was reading earlier today, just looking at, just the life of Israel in the Old Testament, you see by just the habits and rhythms and the worship that they engage in, it's almost assumed they weren't going to be faithful. As much as they're called to faithfulness, but when they're called to like humble themselves before God and then fast and pray and do these different rhythms or offer sacrifices, that the prescriptive habits or acts that God gives them to to turn back to him are given because it's understood they're not perfect people. It doesn't change the ideal, but it gives them a way in which they can re-engage or reconnect with God as is meant to be the case and which is the ideal thing. And so I think the same thing applies for us is there, there's mercy and there's grace in the midst of this. Um, we're always, um, you know, maturing in this whole process. And sometimes we do take steps back, but the idea is to kind of always be taking like that step a little bit further right. each time. Um, but I think habits and rhythms are a large thing that contribute to being helpful and keeping God a priority each and every day. Um, partly just because it gives you a disciplined avenue in which you are making space in your life for God to be present not that that's the entirety of him being present and not that that's the entirety of your interaction or relationship with him, but it puts you in a place where you're going to intentionally put him in there. And it probably sets you up better to then be able to extrapolate more interactions throughout the day with him because of those moments. Whereas if you don't have that framework in place, it becomes a lot more helter skelter or crisis mode of, I look to God, that kind of stuff which is not right. stuff which can be very like all over the place and random and not consistent. I mean, it could be once a year, once a month. I mean, it, that could be all over the place. Whereas if you have like a rhythm of like 
whether that's reading scripture in the morning, noon, night, whatever it is, wherever that fits with you, uh, your rhythms of prayer, if that's meeting with other believers throughout the week, however that, you know, fits into your schedule, like those rhythms, if they're like intentional and part of like a routine that you do, you're already intentionally making space for God beyond, you know, this sort of one time during the week. And so I think that's a helpful thing to do. And I I think I've referenced even on a previous episode, N.T. Wright is a author I really respect. And he kind of made this point back when a lot more of the shutdown stuff was happening with COVID of um, just the idea of having a rhythm of engaging in scripture and prayer, as much as it maybe isn't always like this mountaintop experience going through that rhythm prepares you to, for the moment when you are ready to like receive what God has for you for that day. And it it may be like a, Oh, that's a breath of fresh air. Like, and I didn't even know I needed that, but like it was the right thing at the right time. But if that rhythm wasn't in place, you weren't going to engage it at all. And so it it definitely helps. I mean, this could be taken a very legalistic standpoint or viewpoint too, of like, well, you're saying I have to have all this stuff. I don't know if it's like a, you have to, like someone's going to force you to, but there does seem to be a wisdom in having those rhythms in place. And I think you can see that from the worship life of Israel in the Old Testament, where there was a rhythm and a kind of a yearly flow to their life. So it was beyond just like whatever happened, we, you know, weekly. It happened in, in a more robust way. Um, but you have like daily sacrifices and things like that, that at least point to there was like this ongoing beyond mm-hmm. like once a week mentality to f- their relationship with God. And I think you see the same thing with um, prayer and like the meeting together with other believers and things that you see in the new Testament that fit with this as well. Um, so anyway, I, I think rhythms and habits are a helpful thing to make a connection with God kind of be more present throughout the week. Yeah. It's interesting because I've heard, uh, especially in addiction recovery stuff, um, some people will talk about, like an offensive and a defensive battle plan where like an offensive battle plan in this case would be something like, you know, showing God that you want to be connected with him, intimate with him, and that you want him in the moments where you don't need him, um, which in a way is showing yourself, you know, that you're in a posture that you do need him. And then the defensive plan is when you do need him, you fall on him. Um, But it isn't just one or the other. It's not like you're trying to earn something one way or you're trying to just wait for something magical to happen. Um, and then you mentioned stuff about Israel. Um, I I think back to the time of Judges, you know, after the death of Joshua, the people don't have a leader. And so in their unrepentance, they turn to cultural Baal worship. Um that was very prevalent in that ancient Near Eastern context. And the reason is because Baal worship was all about like agricultural provision. It was like blessings for the nation. You know, they wanted to do it because everyone else was doing it. And if it worked for them, you know, it could work for us. So they had this haphazard conquest of the land of Canaan and God would raise up judges. And it was just kind of a giant mess. Um, But my point in bringing that up is, you know, not as an, justification or an excuse but similarly today like you were saying we're in a fallen world we have cultural pressures we have ways that people deal with things that are very common that are tempting for us to go into and um, it takes a great deal of intentionality to step out from that it takes a good deal um, of rhythms and habits in our life to kind of 
be more formational or form us into the people that God wants us to be. Um, so, it, you know, it, it kind of like goes back to Proverbs. It's like, is it necessary? It's like, it's hard for me to like tell you, you have to do, you know, these things, but you know, things like Proverbs or the poetic books really make it clear that it's wise and the opposite of it is foolishness. I mean, either way, there's a choice, but, um, you know, so again, not an excuse or justification, but that is kind of where we need to have grace with ourselves. It's like, well, other people engage in retail therapy, so, you know, I'm going to do it too. And then you do it and you realize it's wrong. And it's like, all right, well, it's still my fault. It's still my choice. But, you know, this is a cultural thing. And God, please help me to be holy from this part of the culture because it's a bad, it's a bad influence on my life. I know it's wrong. I get talked into it because it's what I want. Please help me to see the truth in your word, like that kind of thing. It could be a million different examples, but um, the fallen nature in which we live in, um, naturally produces bad influences on us. And the bad influences aren't what bear the responsibility for the problems in our life, but um, it kind of just, just to supplement your point earlier about, well, there is the ideal that Scripture calls us to, but there's also failure. I mean, we're inherently in a broken world and we're broken people. So while we are redeemed and we are getting renewed, experiencing victory and success, um we need to have grace with ourselves and understanding that there might be moments of weakness and mistake making. Yeah. Maybe from a negative standpoint, something where I see this reality in my life is, I mean, I make for good or bad, like the habit of watching a certain amount of television or media probably every day. I mean, just, you know, the statistics of how much screen time all of us have in our life is like off the charts. I mean, just like climbs every year, it seems. And my life's no different. I mean, there's like a certain point of the night where like that's what I do with my time. And not that that all has to be like for now. Like we live in an age where there's a lot more things on demand. You can actually look up things that are either helpful or formational or helpful. I think I already said helpful there, but um, so it can be redemptive and it doesn't have to be like totally just like passive. But we could also easily lie to ourselves like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing with my time when like I'm just doing engaging in passive entertainment. That's not necessarily it's not maybe it's not necessarily inherently bad, but like the abundance of it may be shaping us to be passive in other ways or not investing ourselves in ways to do more of what God has created us to do. So it can play both ways. But I see that tension within my own life. But I also point out that like. I make that a habit in some form or fashion. And so I tend to do it. So the habit makes a certain thing happen in my life. Again, it, can, it that's kind of it's not even neutral, but like it's the same reality can be with like reading scripture or praying, like <clears throat> making it a habit of my life um, makes it a, me more likely to, to engage with it, utilize it, um, allow it to shape and form me, that kind of thing. One other place where I see this kind of in, in my life right now, and I know this isn't everybody's situation, but having three kids and, and younger kids, like we've been going through like the kids Bible that my kids have. And so every night we do like one or two stories. And I mean, they're slowly catching on to the biblical stories and like, you know, recalling more and more, but as elementary as those stories are for me in a lot of ways, I also am trying to think about how to tailor the story 
to where they are in their life and like how do I help communicate in a way that's not like beyond them or over their head um, but that's one way that it's become a routine or a habit because we do it like every night before we go to bed again as elementary as it is for me like it's still helpful for me to know like oh yeah the, this is the broader story that I'm a part of and I'm also trying to help them live into this broader story and I probably don't I don't think about this every night but it is shaping and forming me in a certain way that this story matters above a lot of other stories that we could spend time focusing on every night. And so even doing that with my kids is helping make space for God, not only in their life, but also in my life as well. And it's also helping me to help better communicate who God is, a relationship with God to them, which then helps me have to reflect on like, well, is that true of my life as well? Like I could be telling them, but am I actually living it out as well? Um, so all those things I see that that's one way I see it happening beyond. I mean, that's beyond Sunday morning. That's, I mean, we do that most every night. Um, so that's, that's one habit I see, um, beyond just the things I do kind of on a personal level. Um, I don't know. Is there any like kind of particular habits you can think of that, that help you or that you notice right now, I guess that you engage with God throughout the week? Uh, usually what I'll do on a daily basis is, <clears throat> I tend to put my scripture my, or my scriptural study early in the morning, usually first thing. Sometimes that, um, can, depending on, you know, how groggy or exhausted I am, sometimes I could range to just doing like the verse of the day in the YouVersion app just to like think about something really quickly and then kind of wake up with coffee and then go back to it. Um, or it could be anywhere from reading one to four chapters of scripture in the morning, which is usually what I... I'm in the habit of doing, um, you know, I, after that, I usually, um, pray a blessing on the day. I usually praise God for who he is and what he's done. And then throughout, after that, like being in that posture, I usually pray throughout the day. Um, that's more of a rhythm I've been in as opposed to earlier. Um, I, sometimes I, I change it up. Like there's a lot of times where I'll have, um, earlier in my walk with Christ, I would do 20, 20 minutes of, you know, focus prayer all at once. Now I'm trying to pray throughout the day, you know, kind of gradually engaging God in each moment, um, which has been helpful for me. Um, so the most regimented part of my system is in the scriptural study, but you know, there are, um, you know, prayer habits there too, I guess. So, um, I mean, the more I think, I think the more focused prayer time is kind of what I want to get back to. Um, but yeah, so I mean, really, the answer is prayer and reading the Bible. Um, but I do that every day, um, and because I do that every day, I feel more grounded in who God is, who I am as one of God's people, and how I'm supposed to live in knowing that I'm one of God's people. Yeah. One other area I would, I think of is, um, I mean, each week we get together to do this recording, but beyond like the, what we record, like it's a rhythm we have of our relationship where uh, I think our lives spill out into each other's and like, we're, you know, reminding each other of the good news of Jesus and like what we're called to be as followers of Jesus. And that rhythm of that being like, like there every week, I think is helpful just in a different facet, it's, it's a more human way of doing it than just like a, you know, me and God and scripture, that kind of thing. Not that that's not human, but, um, it's a, it's a more communal sense, I guess thing. It's, 
you know, it's a smaller group. It's just the two of us. But there is something to, again, like those relationships that spill beyond Sunday morning into the rest of the week. And so, I mean, my encouragement would be, um, who is that person you can, at the least, who's another person you can routinely get together with and speak, you know, good news into each other's life, remind each other, like what you're a part of, who, who you're part, who you're, who you're called to be. And, and if it's, you know, one, two, three, however many people, if it's a smaller group, you know, more power to you, but at the least, I think start with like another person, but just, you know, whatever commit you can make work for your life, but like intentionally making it a habit that's part of your, your life. I mean, we have a variety of ways that that's even more accessible now with like FaceTime and um, video chatting, or, I mean, even just a simple telephone call can suffice for that to some degree, even if it's just texting back and forth to some degree, it's at least some ongoing connection and interaction with each other beyond whenever you're physically together, if even that that's mostly just Sunday morning. Um, so that's one encouragement of just another facet. I think of something you can, anyone can do to have that be a part of your rhythm. That's not just a, you personally doing it, but there's also some accountability built into that. Um, not in like a, did you sin today necessarily kind of <laughs> sense, but like you're, you're being yourself with someone else and life is going to spill out and being yourself with somebody else. That's just the way it works. Um, but carrying, you know, helping each other carry each other's burdens and that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, that, that'd be one encouragement of, of another way. I would encourage other people to make a, a rhythm or a habit in their life. And I think that could help maintain connection with God beyond you know, just Sunday and not just sort of boxing God in there, but allowing his presence to expand into the rest of the week. All right. We're going to move into our one, six, eight debate topic. And today we're going to talk about or give our perspective on, are we morning or night people? Or I know night owl is the night thing. What's the morning? Is there a term for the morning person? Early bird. Early bird. Yeah, probably. Um, well, I was just smirking because um, you know, I was gonna say, you know, I'm a night person, but it isn't just my name. I am. Uh, <laughs> I get it. It is funny joke because my last name is Night with K, but we are talking about night. I thought you were gonna men. go with like, well, if you're a night person, technically, if you're up late enough, you're really a morning person anyway. Ah, uh, that's <laughs> uh, that's too mathematical for me. I mean, if the sun is down, like, come on, <laughs> it's twelve twenty-four in the morning. It's like, yeah, okay. All right. So, which are you? Uh, well, I'm a night person for sure. So that that in part wasn't a joke. One. Um, but I'm. Um, yeah, I, um, I feel like I'm most focused, like kind of going from like 6 p.m. on, to be honest. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, I like function in the morning and all that, but I feel like I, yeah, I just kind of gradually gain energy as I go throughout the day. Whereas I, I know people who start with all their energy and then lose it throughout the day. And like, that's not to say I don't get tired at night. I mean, that's more of like a behavioral rhythm than anything else or your body's like expecting to go to bed at a certain time. But, um, and again, you know, I also, my best friend lives in South Korea, so, uh, it works out a lot of the times where, you know, what, like it'll be 10 PM here and it'll be 12 PM there. So it'll just be high noon. Back to the future. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he lives in the future I remember um, one time I um, I preached on Sunday morning. You know, I was texting him about it, um, and which you know he was like, 
you know, I hope it goes well. I was like, well, it already happened for you. How'd it go? <laughs> he's like, he's like, it sucked. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it works out uh, a lot of times. Like, you know, my friends, when we, uh, do some fellowship online, like through some gaming, it's usually in the evening. Uh, my friend Anderson works as a machinist, which means his shifts are, um, you know, they can be longer than what you might expect, or at least it's it could be more mid-shifty. So we're looking at like 6, 7, 8 p.m. Um, if we do something during the week. So I think, yeah, mostly like the relationships in my life and then also just kind of, you know, it might just be my, my younger age and like coming out of um, not too long ago undergraduate school where, you know, all-nighters and stuff like that where everyone was what everyone was doing and then now being in graduate school again, it's kind of ingrained that um, more of a night mentality in me. So what about you? I am the same, so we don't really disagree on this, I know for sure. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever... I'm pretty sure I've always leaned more toward being a night person. I'm, I'm sure part of that's I've been formed to be more that way just by the nature of some of the things I had in my life. Like when I was younger, um, I did gymnastics when I was from, from the age of seven on through high school. And at one point I was driving two hours to the gym I went to and two hours back. So I never got back home until like 11 o'clock sometimes. And then still did like schoolwork after that. And so I was already sort of shaped by the nature of the way my life was at that time to do like have to do things that late. But I've never really, there's never been a point where I was like, Oh yeah, I'm like, I like getting up in the morning. Like I've always like not liked, that's just never been like my favorite. Like, Oh yeah, I'm happy to be awake. Like I just want to, you know, at that point I'm just like, I want to keep, want to keep sleeping. But I'm like you, I, I, I get more, I tend to get more energized. Like even if I'm like sort of like, the middle of the middle of the, the middle of the <laughs> afternoon, I can speak English. <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon, if I for some reason like am not engaged in something or like have to stop, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, I just want to take a nap. So I like I I'll, I'll get tired then, but then I can still be like an hour or two later, like catching like another wind and like again by the time it's like seven eight o'clock, like I'm awake, I'm engaged, like I can have a you know. In more in-depth conversation if I had to. It's, it's not like a, I can't do this right now kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm good. I mean, and then once I get probably to about one o'clock for sure is where I start to like, I can tell I start tailing down. Um, not that I'm like up to one o'clock every night, but like that's usually about when I can for sure tell. Um, but kids have also changed some of that too, or there's a little bit of, I'm more drained earlier too. Um, but yeah, I, if I had to default to like, if I have to get something done, like I would rather do it at night, which stinks for like stuff that you need like daylight to do. Cause it's not like, unless you're like in the summer and it's light till 10 or something like that almost. But so otherwise it's like in the dark, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely more of a night person for sure. And a second or a follow-up thing to, to this topic is like, what do you have to have, to get you kind of going like in the morning, like for me, like, cause I'm not a morning person. Like I drink coffee every day, but like, I don't feel like it's not one of those. Oh, I had like, once I have my coffee, I'm ready to go. Like I don't have that feeling per se. 
Um, there have been some more recently noticeable. Like I think if I don't have coffee, I get like a headache just because there's probably like a lack of caffeine or something like that. But in general, I don't feel like there's this like big drop off of like energy or something like that. But for me, if I can like at least take a shower, like I feel like rejuvenated a little bit or like more woke up, (laughs) but it's like getting myself to even get out of bed to do that. Um, if you know, that kind of thing, although having a new puppy in our life has helped get me up at the time I need to be (laughs) earlier. Yeah. Kids have also done that very much already too. But, um, but yeah, if I can get a shower, like I at least feel awake more at that point. So for me, like a shower is the thing that, and if I don't get that, like it's going to be a lot longer process for me to wake up. But what about you? This conversation is actually making me tired. (laughs) It's weird. Uh, it's just subconscious stuff. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you where I drink coffee, but I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I drink it because I just enjoy the drink, really. It's not really like that it does anything crazy for me. Kind of weird uh, for me is like after, you know, my devotional stuff or my scriptural study, I'll actually um, get into uh, like a gaming session in the morning. And I know my friend in Korea is the same way where something very interactive like that, um, you know, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of health benefits to, um, you know, brain structure and stuff like that when it comes to gaming as long as it's done intentionally and um you know wisely that you know it helps you spatial allocation you know reasoning decision making all that kind of stuff and i mean it's kind of like a warm-up for your brain for the day uh other than that i mean honestly like it's really just time like time needs to go by like a shower helps for sure but usually like two hours after i wake up i'm pretty good but you know, beyond that, I mean, it usually doesn't matter how much sleep I get or don't get. It pretty much always feels the same. But if I get less sleep, then definitely in the afternoon, I'm like passing out for sure. So. All right. That's it for this episode of the 168 podcast. We hope that the earlier part of our conversation for sure was encouraging to help you engage with God beyond Sunday morning and engage with God all seven days of the week and all hours of the week and moment by moment of the week. So we hope it was encouraging and we'll catch you next time. See you later. One six eighters.